What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. I honestly, I kind of missed my home turf here. I missed being in the studio. We were out on the road for the past few weeks. We had Shelton Benjamin, Montez Ford. We had AJ Styles. We had Dewdrop. Every single one of them, I'm so grateful for them giving me the time doing the show. And I hope you learned something in the process as well. Uh, I can't believe The Rock shared a clip from the Montez Ford interview afterwards. Uh, my day made my day when The Rock did that. But now we're here for a different guest. We're here with someone who is unquestionably one of my top five favorite wrestlers of all time. I'm a huge fan of this guy. Um, and he's touched me in a way personally that we'll get into in this episode. I didn't expect to get a little emotional, but I did because Kevin Owens really did touch me in a very personal way when my brother passed away. And he did something for me and my family that I will never forget, which we get into in this episode. Some of the other things that we get into in this episode, we talked to him about re-signing with WWE. He talks about why he did it, how long it took for him to re-sign, how long he had been re-signed before the internet found out about it, and a few more details that haven't been revealed yet. He also talks about some of the food that he's never eaten in life before, and it blew my mind. I have a feeling that it's going to blow yours, too. So make sure that you listen to this entire episode, because there's some good stuff in here. And now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Add a Character, Kevin Owens. I like to start off every interview talking with my subject about how much of their real true self is, is in the character that they play on TV. So for you, how much of your real true self is there in the character of Kevin Owens? Um, man, I, I'd say it's as close as it gets really, you know, um, I've, I've gotten to a point in my career where I can, uh, I can, I, I really can be myself and follow my instincts, the same instincts I'd have in everyday life in certain situations, you know, and, uh, like a lot of what you see on TV with me interacting with some of the guys that I interact with on TV, is pretty similar to how I'd interact, you know, backstage, um, so I'd say, yeah, a lot, uh, very close. A, a lot of what you see on TV is, is really just, just me. And, you know, as, as cliched as it's been, you know, with the volume turned up or whatever, it's true, but it's really not turned up that much. I'm pretty much there, you know? Uh, well, what words would you use to describe your personality off screen? I'm a, I guess I'm a smart ass for sure. And, uh, I, I don't know. I'm always trying to make people laugh. Sometimes I succeed. Sometimes I don't. But I'm just trying to give people a good time. So I feel like that translates to what I do on TV a lot. Are you a dad joke kind of guy? I don't think so. But I maybe my kids might disagree with you. They're not here. Obviously, I'm going to go pick them up after this interview. But yeah, I, I don't think so. But I might be. I know like... Uh, I've had some good pun battles, you know, with, with, uh, so the Becky Lynch is incredible at it. Uh, you know, I, I've been around Trish Stratus in the past. She's really good at it too. Uh, I don't feel at their level, but I like a good pun, you know, I don't know if that counts as dad jokes or what, but yeah. Well, I, the reason I ask is because, you know, it's clear from following you on social media for as long as I have that you're very involved in, in your family's life and being a dad. Um, so I just wonder if like, you know, what kind of dad you are, if you're a strict dad, if you're a fun dad. Well, I mean, I, 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 I try to be uh, strict when I need to be, but I think that would 
you know, pretty much be everybody. I, I, I don't think just uh, letting kids run wild is necessarily a positive thing all the time. But I do try to make them laugh as much as I can. It's the first thing. I, my dad, actually. So I, I was very lucky to have an incredible dad who showed me, you know, um, who showed me the way, really, just by his actions. Um, and he used to tell me when I, when I only had Owen, this was before my daughter, and it was, it was hard for me to get Owen to really, uh, it kind of felt like he didn't listen to me enough, you know? And my dad was like, yeah, but the thing is, you're always trying to make him laugh all the time with everything you say, everything you do. So when it's time to kind of buckle down, if he's not really listening or you need him to, to shape up or whatever, it's hard for him to, for like at that age or whatever. So I guess, uh, you know, I, that's that's my i don't know if that's a fault or what but i really do just try to make the kids laugh as much as i can because my dad used to do the same to me and uh, i think i turned out all right so yeah i had a the mom as the disciplinarian too my dad was always trying to make us laugh and then when it came down to like us doing something bad he would call my mom and then my mom would have to kind of like lay the hammer down a little bit i mean my parents were both very good disciplinarians like there's no i was man like i remember so I got in trouble a few times, not big trouble, but I remember one time, I think I was 13, me and one of my buddies went to a, uh, we, we both lived two houses away. Like we lived four houses away from each other. And in the middle, there was a garage, like a, a car shop, you know? Um, and we both, for some reason, decided that it would be a fun hobby to go and throw rocks at the car windows of the cars that were scrapped. You know, they were just, you know, they would use them for parts. So we figured there's no harm in just trying to smash the windows. Um, and then one day my buddy threw the rock too hard. It bounced off and it broke the window of the tow truck that was actually being used. So we ran away. We we're terrified. <laughs> the next day, like idiots, we went back to see if it was fixed or what. And they caught us immediately figured out we're the ones that were doing this. Uh, so they brought us like my, my, they called the cops on us, which is a, a little much, but anyway, the How cops brought us back again? to our, I, I was 13. That's a, yeah, that's a they, little uh, much for a thirteen-year-old, right? Yeah. So they brought they brought both, and you were both like, "Oh, we're so sorry. We'll pay for whatever we did." Uh, the cops walked us home respectively, and man, when my dad got home and my mom told him what I did, he was so mad. I remember him throwing like the outdoor garbage can. He had to bring it to the street because the next morning was going to be garbage pickup. He just flung that thing so far, so so hard, just <laughs> at the street, and it's just like. Rick, anyway, so that happened. And then one, I remember having a like terrible grade in math and I was so scared to tell my mom that I like made my brother tell her, you know, <laughs> but they weren't like, it's funny cause they weren't, they weren't super strict or anything like that. But man, I had, uh, yeah, I, I, I had fear when I needed to for my parents for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> No, I, I completely relate with all those things. You know, my dad definitely, you know, if it, if cops were involved, my dad would have definitely had to have uh, stepped his game up and, and had to do that. My mom was more of the grades as well. So uh, that fear yeah. of having bad grades uh, and, and your mom being mad about it very much resonates with me. I was terrified. Oh, man. Were you a good student? Uh, most, mostly, except math. I had a real hard time in math. And uh, she was like, anything under 80, 80% was unacceptable because <laughs> uh, that's how things were graded. I don't know if that's how it is in the U.S. or whatever in the school system. But uh, 
and you know, I had like 62 in math and I was so scared, even still a passing grade, but man, I was terrified. I'll never forget that one. To this day, uh, I feel I was, like I when it comes okay. I was okay. I feel like to, to this day, I was the exact same way. Math just, most of it just, to, just flew over my head. I didn't care about it. Numbers confused. Yeah. Just like it's confusing. But to this day, right. now that like, you know, you, everybody has a calculator on them at all times in their, in their pocket. You know, back then they'd always mm-hmm. say, well, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket one day. But now that we all do, I feel like they need to change up which the is curriculum silly a little because bit. even even back then even back then calculators were small enough that you could totally have it in your pocket whenever <laughs> yeah but whatever yeah. yeah absolutely and so yeah i've always felt like uh they need to change up the curriculum because some of those some of those things you're like i don't i don't need to know that i definitely like there, sometimes i'll look at old you know uh, problems that have you solve, and I'm like, I don't even know what any of that is supposed to mean at this point. Well, I try to help. I, I try to. I, I help my children with Owen specifically. He's in eighth grade now, and I try to help him sometimes when he's struggling. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. I, like nine times out of ten, I feel like you have to have a newfound appreciation for your parents doing that for you when you become an adult, because I I would be lost having to do homework again. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really remember ever doing homework. I know I did, but that's just, I don't know. I, I, the fact that you just said Owen is in eighth grade is, is insane. You've been posting pictures of him since yeah. he was a baby on the internet. And, and he's, mm-hmm. I saw a picture where he's like taller than you now. And it made me he's feel six so foot old. three. Six three at he's, 13? Yeah, he's 14. He 14. Just tur- well, he just turned four- he turned 14 in December and he's six foot three. Yeah. <sighs> That's crazy. How does, yeah. that, like, how does that make you feel to see your kids taller than you now? Oh, it's going to be a problem eventually, I'm sure. So far, he's still very kind and uh, good-hearted, and I'm sure he will remain so. But once he wants, when he wants to start, like once he wants to start testing me, uh, it's going to be a doozy, you know. Uh, I feel like if your dad's a pro wrestler, you're less likely to challenge him. Uh, well, that, that would like be that. true if it that would be true if it impressed him in any way, shape, or form. But it does not. Like he's been, he's used to it. It's fine. He, yeah, dad just jumps off for a living. It's fine. He's not. You know what I mean? He's 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 over it now. He used to be into it when he was younger. Now, you know, he'll watch my matches. He'll think it's cool, but he's not, you know, whatever. Like, I remember uh, we moved recently and I told him, okay, you know, whatever toys you don't really need, let's put them in this bin. We're going to take it to the, you know, to, we're going to give them away or whatever. And like all my action figures were in there. I'm like, oh man, that's tough. That's <laughs> tough. Oh, that's yeah. so painful. I couldn't yeah. even imagine that. And then I go, well, I know, but I get it. You know, he had the one that he kept and the other ones, who needs 20, you know? So I was like, uh, you're throwing all these out. You're giving those away. And he goes, uh, oh no, uh, sorry. I, I meant to put them in the other bin. I'm like, yeah, you meant to put 18 of them in the other bin. Sure. <laughs> I will yeah, help you put each one in the other yeah. bin, Owen. Like, we'll keep every single one all of right. these. Yeah. I, it's do, all you good. Keep, do you keep all your action figures and stuff like that? No, I, uh, I mean, they're around the house, you know, whichever ones the kids have kept, but, uh, my parents have like everything, but I don't personally have a whole lot. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of my, of my memorabilia, whatever you want to call it. I figure there's always time to collect that one, you know, eventually, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a, I live with, I live in my, the house that my girlfriend grew up in and her parents similarly kept 
everything. So I've been in this intense cleaning mission for like two years <laughs> to try and do stuff. And, and I'll be like, hey, what about this good night moon book? And she's like, my, my good night moon book from when I was a child. Yeah. Like we can't get rid of yeah, the yeah. Mid good night moon book. And I'm like, okay. You know, so we like put it yeah, to the side. I'm, not, I'm, I'm like you, I'm not, my wife's very nostalgic, but I'm really not. So like, and my, I got that from my parents for sure. Cause like, uh, like there's no like there's no pictures of me when I was a baby. Like there's like one picture of me when I was a baby, maybe one when I was like seven, and then a couple when I was twelve or thirteen, and then you know the pictures started really when I was seventeen on. But like my kids, my, my parents took like four pictures of me when I was a kid. That's about it. <laughs> I feel the same. But I'm like I'm I get it though I get it. Like I'm you know I I, I have I have a brain. I'll remember this stuff. Yeah, yeah I've got like a folder on my phone where it's like maybe a good like fifty kid pictures, you know. And my meanwhile my my girlfriend has like a VHS tape for every single year of her life where it documents like right. every single part of it. And I'm yeah. like. Oh, I'm kind of jealous. That's crazy that you have all yeah. of that. Like, it, like we found. Yeah, my yeah, we've gone crazy. My in-laws have like like binders and binders of pictures, and my family has like you know the one when you go develop the pictures and they hand you them in the envelope. I have the one <laughs> that like there's 20 pictures in there. Some of them are of me. Others are mostly animals we saw at the zoo the time like on a random trips. Yeah, I meant to ask about that. You know, you were so synonymous with the zoo for so long, and then the pandemic hit and stuff. Have you been able to go to zoos again? I haven't been in a while. I, um, you know, I, I haven't gone to zoos as much as people would expect me to. So they'll ask me like, which zoo's the best stuff? Like that. I, I really don't go as much as I, uh, I just really like, it, you know, and when I go, it's a whole thing. Like it's a whole day. Like it's exhausting for my family to go to the zoo with me. Cause I got to be there for eight full hours and I got to do the thing three times to make sure that what, well, what if the, what if the crocodile moved since we left, we got to go see stuff like that. But, uh, I really don't go as much. Um, and you know, I've, with time, uh, and I guess as I grow older, I've learned that not every zoo is really great, uh, you know, to its animals. So I've, I'm, you know, conscious of where I go and what I support and stuff like that too. So that plays a part as well. But, um, you know, I just really love animals and I, that's always, that's always been me. So, uh, I, uh, when we, where we moved, um, there is an alligator uh, in the pond right outside where we live, which is sweet. Like I spent hours looking at, you know, trying to spot the alligators. I'd ride my scooter around our little, uh, our little community. And there's, there's bears once in a while, like, you know, face to face with a bear at one point, like 10 feet away from me. That was pretty sweet. So like, I don't know, I, that's, that's a lot more. Uh, it's great to see them in the wild, you know, just free. Uh, they're not, they're, he's really not supposed to be sitting on a sidewalk eating trash. But still, it's very thrilling. So I prefer that to the zoos these days, you know. How far away from your house was the crocodile? So the alligator. The alligator uh, I, we've, we've, we've actually moved out of that area as well now. But for a while, I lived, I'd say, a 30-second walk away from a pond that had a pretty, pretty, si like pretty good-sized alligator in there, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, man. I couldn't imagine yeah. that. When you were that close to a bear, did you think to yourself, like, I can't believe people used to wrestle these back in the day? Well, he was huge, too. So I, I, I've actually, I was actually a referee early in my career. I was for a, a referee match? for a man versus bear match. Yeah. What? Um, yeah. So uh, PCO, who people watching this will probably know, uh, wrestled a bear once. 
And uh, he asked me to be the referee so that if things went awry, I would be there to help him. Not oh, against man. the bear. Not, oh, okay. not against the bear. Okay, because we knew if things go wrong with the bear, we're all screwed. Yes. But uh, what he meant was, what it, you know, if the bear gets spooked and we don't really know what to do and he ends up just, you know, his trainer just needs to bring him away because, you know, we need to save this show, which is exactly what happened. The bear just wouldn't take part in it, which I completely understand. And, you know, now looking back, that's not something that should have ever happened. But uh, once the bear decided like he wasn't going to be a part of it, the only thing we could do is have the referee tell PCO that he, you know, the match was thrown out and then PCO get hurt, gets upset and uh, pulls out a chair and, you know, assaults the referee like any sensible human would. So that's what we did to give the people their, uh, you know, their money's worth. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't end up getting anywhere near the bear because he wouldn't, he wouldn't come near the ring. So wise decision on his part. Yeah, I just saw that Jackass Forever movie and that that part where uh, yeah. when he when he's on the chair and they bring the bear in and yeah, he, and, and the, the the meat Wild. gets stuck in the belt behind it and you see the bear trying to get it and they're all terrified like oh we got to get him that, out of there that bear, but that that bear was as gentle as it gets when he's trying to get that stuff <laughs> yes. like he could have just ripped he was just trying to pick it like so nice very very uh. That was a good bear, you know? <laughs> yes, he was definitely very polite about trying to get it out of the yeah, bear. Yeah, yeah. Do you mind if I just, yeah, yeah. It's good. So, uh, you know, speaking of family and stuff, was the return to touring a difficult adjustment after being home for so long throughout the pandemic? Yeah, obviously, uh, the silver lining to this pandemic, not that there's anything, you know, it was an awful time for everyone. And uh, so many people will live through really tragic things, my family included, because of all that stuff. But the silver lining was that I was able to do this for a living, have this career and keep doing what I love to do and be in my bed every night, wake up every morning with my family, go to bed every night with my family. So that was really incredible to get that year and a half uh, to still be able to do what I love and yet still have so much time with them. That was really, you know, that's something that you'd never imagine doing this for a living uh, that you get the chance to do. Um, so obviously the return to touring is hard in terms of, uh, you know, being away from all of them, but uh, it's really, you know, it's what we've always been meant to do. So being in front of crowds again is really uh, even now, you know, it's been a little while now that we've been back to crowds, but it's really never, you know, not getting to do it for so long really brings you a new sense of appreciation for just how incredible it is that we get to do it. Because after a while, you know, it's like anything, I guess you kind of get used to it. Um, but man, it's just been a real thrill to, to be back in front of the people and, 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 you know, getting to do what we all set out to do in the first place when we, when we got into this industry. Yeah, when I see stuff from like a year ago and you're like, whoa, there were no fans then. Like, it feels like they've been back for so long, but it really hasn't even been a full yeah. year yet. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a matter of months, yeah. I can imagine, though, that for you, you know, being in front of the crowd again had to re-energize you as a performer because even though you were killing it during the pandemic, you had all that, you know, stuff going on with Roman Reigns and stuff, uh, I feel like, you know, there's nothing like having the, the thrill of the crowd in front of you and you're someone who clearly gets energized when the when the fans are energized too yeah i will say this though i really uh and not that any you know not that anybody else like everybody obviously could say the same as what i'm about to say i think but i really really try to bring everything i had like there was 
10,000, 20,000, 100,000 people at the arena, even though it was nobody. Um, because, man, like, I, everything, you know, as silly as it might have seemed. And, you know, I remember at the time when we'd say this stuff in interviews, people, you know, a lot of people would say, well, come on. Like, we'd say, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do our part to, to bring some sort of relief to people going through this stuff, you know. And I know a lot of people would make fun of that statement, but it's really true, man. Like we had to go to work and we had to do the best we could. And we knew that people watching this on any given night could be going through some really rough stuff. So uh, I really just tried to bring everything I could. And I think everybody can see, you just mentioned the Roman Reigns stuff. Like, man, we put each other through hell in those matches. Like there was a hundred thousand people in the arena. And I was, well, you know, very conscious that there was millions watching, uh, you know, at home. But also what helped, uh, and I've said this before, what really helped me is that the people there, like the production crew or the cameraman or everybody involved in making sure that this show would go out to the world, you know, they've seen so much wrestling. They've seen so many WWE events. So I would use, always use these guys. And, I, you know, I, I did that before the pandemic and I still do to this day use them as a barometer for to know whether or not what I'm doing is good. Because like I said, they've seen so much. Of it. So when they'd come after and tell me, Hey, that was really good. Or that, you know, that, that was a great match. That was a great promo, whatever it is. That really meant a lot to me because like I said, they've really, really seen it. They've seen everything. They've seen the best. They've seen the worst. They've seen things that probably they were indifferent to. So if they come to me and say they enjoyed something I did, I knew the people watching back home, even though I didn't have the immediate response from the live crowd, I figured I'm doing something right, you know? So uh, that was really helpful as well. I think entertainment, you know, people will probably roll their eyes at me saying this too, but entertainment really was helpful during the pandemic. You know, I'm still going on the pandemic, obviously, but like, you know, for the people that couldn't go out all the time and people were limiting how much they're going out, they're still limiting how much they're going out. And, you know, from the smallest things to like people going on Instagram live, to silly TikToks to, you know, you know, on the big scale, like a TV show like you're making or the movies that we did get. I feel like they were so helpful in helping people get through all of that. Like it was a tough time. Like you said, people were dying. You know, there was, there was so many people. There's so many people dying and everyone dealing with loss and everyone scared at home. And like if you get an hour and a half, two hours, three hours to just be able to laugh or get your mind off of whatever you're going through, it's so helpful. Yeah, I mean, it felt that way, you know, and it might not, obviously, depending on what you're going through in life, it might be very, uh, it might bring very little comfort for a very limited amount of time. But whatever we could do to try, well, you know, why not give it our best? Is that partly, you know, to a degree why you are so engaged with the audience? Because, you know, whether you're a you know, good guy or a bad guy or however you're being portrayed at the time, one thing that I've always noticed with you is that you go above and beyond to make sure that you're engaged with the fan base, whether it's just saying a simple thank you or, you know, on social media or, you know, doing something that goes above and beyond, like, you know, being interviewed by someone for their high school project, you know, and they use you as a source on the project. Like you're, you're really open to being involved. And I wonder, is it because, you know, because, you know, you want to help, you know, people in a positive way or is it because wrestling was such a big part of your life? Is it both? Yeah. You know, I remember when I was younger, and I was an up and coming wrestler and I was a huge fan. I'd, uh, and, uh, 
you know, he, I, I've actually brought this up to him before uh, over social media. He, uh, we've never spoken to it directly about it directly, but I remember I emailed Lance Storm through his website and asked for advice. And he would always answer me. And I, you know, I didn't do this every week or anything, but I did it a few times. And uh, he would answer me. And he doesn't remember doing this. But to me, that was so huge, you know, that he would take the time to answer me. Just this, you know, as for all he knew, just this silly kid who has a dream and probably won't make it. Or, you know, maybe he will. But come on. Like, I'm, you know, he's a busy guy. who's on the road. He had a family when he'd come home. But he still took the time to do that. That really went a long way for me. Uh, so, and, you know, that's just uh, him, you know, a performer responding to somebody that hopes to one day reach wh what he was accomplishing at the time, you know. But then I realized, uh, you know, that helped um, shape kind of something that I, I want to be. You know, I want to be a positive influence on the people that, that, that are going to be doing this after me. Uh, but then also I realized the reach of... Um, and I realized that before WWE, you know, I would meet people at indie shows that would tell me things that really meant, you know, so much, whether it was, you know, we touched on it, like how we, you know, what we were doing during the, at the height of the pandemic, just to bring some sort of relief. Even before then, I would get people telling me that whatever I'm doing is helping them through this or dealing, you know, they're, they're going through some rough times and coming to a show and seeing me do what I do brings them some side of relief. That really, uh, you know, that has such a lasting effect on me. And then with social media and the way it is, you know, Twitter can be a really bad place. There's no way around it. It can be a very unfortunate place. But it, it can also be a very positive thing at times, you know. And uh, through Twitter, I've been lucky to hear so many stories and so many uh, instances where my work brought some sort of relief to somebody that was going through a lot. Or, you know, having people reach out to me for some words of encouragement because they're going through some stuff. I, I really don't take that lightly. That opportunity to try to be helpful in any way I can. Uh, and, you know, I wish I could respond to everybody. And obviously, that's just not possible. I respond to the people I see. And um, that's just not a... That's just really not something I take lightly. So it's not really me going... Like, it's not me going out of my way to do it. It's just somebody did it for me before and it's paying it forward, I guess. Uh, and it's such little effort on my part, but it can make such a big difference. Uh, or even if it makes a tiny difference, uh, it's good to make a difference. You know? Yeah. I mean, I got, I get like slightly emotional hearing you talk about all that. Cause I, I mean, I was one of those people who you did that for once, you know, and it was something so small, but it was like, you know, my, you were my brother's absolute favorite wrestler, like before my brother passed away. And I remember he would text me all the time being like, would it be okay if I tweet this at Kevin Owens? And I was like, don't tweet that at Ke or Kevin Steen, whatever. Like, don't tweet that at him, you know? And he'd be like, but he's like, I'm such a big fan. Like, I wanted to be in WWE. Like, I want to know. And I'm like, what? Well, I know, but he knows you want him to be in WWE. <laughs> like, don't tweet that at him. And, and he would always tweet, like, nice things at you or whatever. And I just remember, you know, he'd always tweet, like, oh, the next time I'm at PWG, I want you to do a, you know, a top rope package pile driver. And he would tweet it. And I don't think you've even responded. But I remember when he passed you doing that. And well, I actually, me. I don't know if you knew, I don't know if you knew this, but Drew and I emailed each other back and forth a few times. I didn't know that. No. Yeah. 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 Your brother was a good guy, man. That's nice of you to say. Thank you. Um, yeah. So when that happened, I remember people reaching out 
And I just made my parents so happy that someone did that. And it made us all feel so seen at the time. So um, it was really nice of you to do that. And so it's, and it's cool for me yeah, to man. see you doing that for other people as well. Thanks, man. So who were, uh, you know, there's also, you know, speaking of Lance Storm and wrestlers making you feel seen, there's also that famous interaction between uh, you and Stone Cold, too. Uh, and it's awesome just to hear yeah. uh, uh, someone making an impact in a fan's life like that, you know, even though you were starting in the business then, too. Yeah, that was, uh, man, that, that you know, that's something that defined my career. It really did. And it sounds like such a, almost an exaggeration to say that my career might have never turned out the way it did without that meeting, but it's really true. You know, uh, I met him, you know, for those that haven't heard the story, I met him in 2005 in an airport in Texas. Um, uh, Sammy Zane and I were connecting, uh, on our way to a PWG show. Um, people can question the validity of that story, uh, because of the name I, I said, and he was never yeah, in what? PWG. That doesn't make sense. He's going to watch but, um, Exactly. Um, he'd, he'd carry my bags <laughs> over there, you know? Um, so uh the story is actually really funny i remember so we were connecting and it was our second connection because you know we'd get the easiest flights the cheapest flights possible and we had driven you know from montreal to albany uh new york which was about three and a half hour drive we drove in you know in the middle of the night we hadn't slept then we fly to like i don't know where maybe chicago and then connection into texas and then finally to la we're exhausted and we're on the connection. We're walking to our gate. And then uh, I, I walked to, to get like a drink of water. And I see out of the corner of my eye, I see Stone Cold. As, you know, clearly kind of trying to be on his own, but not, you know, not. So I'm like, man, like, I have to talk to him. This is my, literally my idol. I have to talk to him. So I go back over to Sammy and I go, hey. And I don't want to alert everybody, you know. So I'm like, hey, hey. And he looks at me and I go, come on. We're going to go talk to Stone Cold. And he's like, what? Like, go on, get your ass over here. So he follows me. And I don't know how he got. I said, we're going to go talk to Stone Cold. He thought I said, let's go fight these guys. <laughs> so as we're walking, yeah, as we're, work, as we're walking toward Austin, he goes, who, who are we fighting? I'm like, what? What? Are, what? He goes, what are you? And I go, we're not going to go fight. We're going to go talk to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he looks, he goes, that's not. Oh, is so we walk up to him and we introduced ourselves we said we're independent wrestlers on our way to california for a show he's super you know so nice very uh you know very friendly we shot the shit a little bit about just you know the business and how the independents work and stuff like that because yeah obviously i haven't been on the independent scene in quite a while <laughs> and then uh uh then he got then they called the flight the first class passengers of course you know Mr. Fancy Pants was in first class, so he had to go. And I go, I can't let him walk away with it. I go, dude, if you have one piece of advice for us, what is it? And he goes, just keep running your mouth. Just never stop running your mouth. Uh, and then he goes, that plancha will kill you. And as he said that, he looked at Sammy, actually. Because <laughs> I think he figured from the bo body types, one is more likely to plancha than the other. Uh, and then he left, you know. And then he got on the plane and we walked past him on the way when we were boarding, said, said goodbye or whatever. But that piece of advice, man, it really, like, I immediately put it into, uh, into work. And that was the weekend I won the PWG title for the first time against AJ Styles. And I was talking the whole match, like, nonstop. And I really, it really became a staple of my independent career and now in, in, into WWE. I think it's actually one of the things people enjoy the most about my work. So uh, it really, uh, and it helped take me to a, a level that I, I hadn't attained at that time. So uh, 
who knows what would have happened if you hadn't given me that piece of advice, you know? Yep. Yeah. That, 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 uh, the thing you just mentioned right there is 100% what drew me to PWG at my first show. Like I was enjoying the show, but I remember my first show there, you just did not stop talking the whole time to the audience, to the wrestler, to, you know, to your opponent, to everybody the entire time. And I was like, this is awesome. I love this guy. This guy is so entertaining. So, <laughs> yeah, so that was 100% a staple of, uh, of your career. Absolutely. I, you know, I saw you tweet something the other day because we're, you know, we talked, we mentioned Stone Cold here, and you know, I feel bad bringing this up right after we're talking about Stone Cold, um, but I also think beer is super gross. Like it's so gross. I, I, I saw your tweet the other day, and I always wonder if people pretend to like beer because it doesn't taste that good. It doesn't taste good ne- ever. I, I, I'm sure there's a beer out there that's good, right? But I'm not gonna try any of them to find it. And I hear it's an acquired taste, but that part of me, like I, if I hate something the first time, I'm not just going to keep drinking it and KO. Oh, maybe number 18 is when I start liking it. I'm not going to put myself through that. So, uh, you know, uh, good for everybody that enjoys it. It's, it's, I'm sure it's a lovely beverage with a lot of varieties and, uh, you know, everybody gets, but it's just, it's, it is not for me. Yeah, I I always get tricked into trying some new style. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe that'll be good. Like at Disneyland. I went to Disneyland semi-recently, and they had at that Pim's Kitchen, they have uh, all these different, like, sized things or different, like, scientific kind of stuff. And, and they had some kind of stout beer with, like, marshmallow in it. And I was like, oh, maybe marshmallow will be good, like a marshmallow beer. That could be tasty. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever had. I wanted to vomit when I put it in my mouth. I immediately you know, I threw it away. Yeah. I don't understand what, you know, trying something that has weird stuff in it. Uh, you know, I've actually, Liv Morgan got me to try a fried Oreo recently. And I was very hesitant. I did not want to try it. But it was amazing, right? Very happy. I, very happy I did. Yes. I, but like marshmallow is not going to make me drink a beer. You know, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, I learned that I, I, that you can make fried Oreos at home. Cause I got, I got a fryer and it's, it's game changing. But then I realized that if I kept making them, I was, it was going to be bad for me. So I, I put the, I put the air yeah. fryer away, or the, the regular fryer away and never touched it again. Fair. Are you not a very adventurous person when it comes to like food or trying out different things? No, I, um, <laughs> I've just had avocado for the first time. Like uh, last week, I'm 37 years old. What was your uh, what was your review of avocado? It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, you never had yeah, like, like guacamole. Had, no, I've never had. Um, I've never had apple pie. I've never had any kind of pie. Wait, you've never had any kind of pie? No. Not pastries, no. Is there a particular reason? I mean, I went. my parents didn't make it when I was a kid or didn't buy it. Then by the time I was old enough to go, do you want pie? People would go, do you want some pie? And I go, no, <laughs> because I'm too old. And now I'm 37. I'm not trying pie, man. It's So it's, you think that you're going to go your whole life without eating a pie once? Well, now that, now that I'm doing this interview, I'm definitely... Definitely never eating pie. <laughs> just like now it's, it's a competition. It's the same way I do these interviews in my car. Cause one time I saw a guy on Twitter go, why does he always do interviews in his car? That's it. I'm always doing them out of my car just to piss that one guy off. So now you know? anytime you're at a restaurant and they offer you a pie, you're going to think 
screw Ryan Satin I not just, eating that pie. I don't, I don't, but I don't want, no, it won't be you specific. I just don't <laughs> want it. You know, I don't want it. I'm sure someone out there could convince me one day to eat a piece of pie, but is it the, the flakiness that you? No, I, yeah, exactly. I'm not looking at it and going, oh, I definitely need some of that. You know, I don't know. It's is there life. any other this is life like you just had an avocado for the first time you just had a fried oreo i've never uh yeah i've, I've re- very recently tried a strawberry for the first time or <laughs> i've never had i've never had pineapple what? this is so crazy i i can't wait to show my girlfriend this interview because i hadn't had a blueberry once and what, like i never had a blueberry when i first started dating her and she was like what your parents were terrible and i was like it's just a blueberry like whatever you know like it's who cares um Wow. So you got a strawberry or a pineapple? No, but, you know, I know what it tastes like because I've had pineapple juice or <laughs> I strawberry just, flavored I was going to ask gum, if you've had stra- flavored things like that. Yeah. Okay, so that. Yeah, all right. yeah. But the actual piece of fruit, I had never, uh, I, I've never eaten a piece of pineapple. Did you like uh, the strawberry? That I know. That I know of. Actually, you know what? That's not true. I had pineapple on pizza for a promo once. <laughs> That's anyway. terrible. The only time you've had pineapple was when it was on pizza? Yeah, so far. As far as I know, you know. That's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> All right, well, before we go, I want to talk to you about a few other things that aren't food-related and things you haven't eaten and me going like, what? Crazy. Uh, you, yeah, recently, <laughs> uh, you recently signed a new deal with WWE, and it came about at a time when the internet was in full <laughs> speculation mode about your future. Uh, how long had you already signed your contract before it became known online that you had? Uh, a couple of weeks, maybe a few weeks. Yeah. Was it a fairly easy decision to make, I assume? Uh, I mean, WWE really didn't let me uh, think about it much in terms of they made it clear they wanted me to stay. So, uh, yeah. I mean, did you have any conversations about like how you'd like the next few years of your career to look with them before making that decision? No. Uh, Vince McMahon... I dealt with Vince directly and he made it clear he wanted me to stay. And, uh, we made an agreement right then and there, you know, it wasn't like, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, my career is going to go the way it goes and I'm going to do my best with it. So I'm there now for uh, a couple more years and I'm going to do my best to get opportunities and knock them out of the park and, uh, reap the benefits, you know? Yep. And uh, there's, as I've, you know, as I've documented before, there's ups and downs to this thing, to WWE, to the to wrestling, to the industry. Uh, I feel like I'm on a really great upswing right now, and I'm enjoying what I do. Like I'm really enjoying myself uh, a lot lately. So that's great, and hopefully it keeps going that way. You know, uh, and if it eventually stops feeling that way, and I feel like I'm on a downswing, then it's up to me to try to find a way back up. You know, I've always taken that outlook. And, uh, yeah, I'm having, I'm really having a great time, uh, these days. Well, what's been your favorite thing about working with Seth Rollins at this, uh, you know, the past couple of weeks? Well, so the, I, I, always, I, I, you know, I always knew Seth and I had good chemistry as opponents, but we never, we were never on the same side before, you know, and, uh, it's really enjoyable. It's been great. People enjoy it. Uh, and that's very important. You know, if the people watching are enjoying it. Uh, and obviously I've known him for a very long time. So it's cool to be on a different side of things and to get to do, uh, do work with them. That's not what we're used to, which is, you know, having matches with each other. Cause we've done that and we know we're very good at it. Um, this is like a different thing and it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, you know, you mentioned earlier that you're kind of a, you know, have a smart ass of a character and, and in real life. And I feel like, you know, you being a smart ass and him being so delusional just uh, meshes so well together for some reason. Yeah, you know, I, uh, yeah, I think I deal with delusional people really well in general. <laughs> so that helps me uh, in this, in this in this story we're doing yeah well i feel like you're always good at like being playing like the role of the viewer of like next to a delusional person of just kind of like calling out like what are you doing while the person is just in their own world next to you yeah it's very useful uh in this line of work for sure this, <laughs> this ability to to deal with delusional people and i actually find i get a huge kick out of delusional people and seeing their real the reality they've created for themselves and them speaking it out into the world and then seeing what they think versus what really, oh man, it's a blast. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, so it's been a good time lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, like you said, God, you and Seth has to be one of the people that you've worked with the longest in your career now since like what your guys' first match against each other was like in 2006. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 2006, IWM at South in front of nobody. Um, but yeah. And, you know, yeah, he's definitely, I, he probably, he would probably be, be the, you know, number two guy right behind Sammy as far as how longevity in my career, like how, how, how much we worked with each other and how long we've known each other, all that stuff. I'd say that's about right. I want to see, you know, because you've kind of got like a history of wearing matching clothes with some of your random tag team opponents. I want to see you start rocking in some wild suits next to him. Well, I may not rock a suit. However, I will say that a few weeks ago, I tried to wear my Zubaz pants to the ring because they were so close to the suit he was at, he had on it that night, and I was told not to, <laughs> so I didn't. So I didn't, but I tried. I tried. You're not a road yeah. warrior, Kevin. You can't wear the Zubaz to the ring. <laughs> oh no! All I got was no. <laughs> okay, all right. Black pants it is. Yeah, gotcha. Going back to what I was yeah. wearing before. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I really have enjoyed the stuff you guys have been doing. Uh, you guys both are 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 like it. Really feels like you're both so uh, in tune with your current characters right now that it just makes for a uh, very entertaining television. You're very you know in tune with what you want to portray on TV. It feels like. Yeah, you know what's a lot of fun is actually we just uh, we just go and do stuff. We just, uh, we bounce back off of each other and, uh, half more than half the time. He doesn't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what he's going to say. And that makes for pretty, I guess it makes for entertaining times. You know, how did it feel getting to wrestle against edge, uh, in December at Madison square garden? And that was awesome. We had two days notice. Uh, I found out on Christmas Eve, uh, that that's what was going to happen. And that was a real thrill. We've been talking about wrestling each other for so long since he came back. And uh, who knows if we'll get to do it again. I certainly hope we will get to do it again. But even if we don't, like that's, you know, main event of MSG in a cage. Uh, and we rocked it. It was a lot of fun. Great times. And uh, something I look back on uh, very uh, fondly for a very long time, for sure. Yeah, I can imagine it must have been incredibly surreal considering you had said just watching his return was one of the top five moments for you uh, in wrestling. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was, man. You know, I remember sitting on my couch watching him retire, thinking it's so, this is so awful what's happening to him. And I felt so, I felt for him so much. And not just that, but at the time I was so, so hungry to get to WWE and get to wrestle so many of these guys, right? 
and he was just being taken off the list. So uh, to get to go back and then or to, to get to go, you know, move forward and, and in the future and now get to, to wrestle him, but just seeing him return was, uh, uh, that was an unreal moment. I was, I'm so happy I was there for that. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I'm, that's one of those things where I, I'm bummed that, that, it's like that, that wasn't something that was uh, televised because I definitely hope it happens again because I very much want to see the two of you guys against each other with yeah, full high-def camera really, rather than a, a fan yeah. cam. Yeah, I can't imagine it won't. But uh, who knows, really, you know? Crazier well, I mean, things have happened. So I we'll mean, he's t- you're looking for a path to WrestleMania. He's, he's came out saying that he's looking for someone to call him out. So, I mean, the, if you're looking for a path at some point, it, it might be there. You never know. Yeah, I mean, let's see where this tag team title thing hap- uh, goes with my buddy here. But uh, if it doesn't work out, you know, well, yeah, that's to take into consideration for sure. You know, on the topic of WrestleMania, are you worried that all this uh, crap you've been talking about, Texas, might catch up with you at WrestleMania and maybe like a famous legend from Texas might come out and, uh, you know, defend, you know, rep for his, his state? No, no, I'm not worried about that. All right, when you well, speak, when you when you when you speak from the heart, nothing bad can happen to you. You know. Uh, well, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. All right. Well, we've reached the final topic here. Uh, I like to end all of my episodes with a segment that I, I'm gonna try something new here. So hold on. Oh, oh, there it is. I like to call the finishing move. Didn't quite work this time. Oh. There it is. I messed it up. There it is. I will get better at that, everybody. I'm working on it. Um, But it's a segment I call the finishing move. Uh, I did this with you once a year ago where we talked about the stunner. So I'm going to talk about the pop-up powerbomb with you this time. Who's your favorite person to hit the pop-up powerbomb on and why? Oh, man. Uh, I think Sammy. Because it's always so great to see him try to squirm his way out of it. Uh, so that when I hit it, it's just all, it's like, just, it makes it all the much sweeter. You know, he really doesn't like Damien. He does not like that happening. <laughs> I man, he is on another level right now, Sami Zayn. I, I feel like he is doing the best work of his entire career, which is crazy to say, considering the body of work that he has. Yeah. You know, I think it's all in the hair. It really, <laughs> uh, really brings something out of him. <laughs> absolutely all right if you were no longer allowed to use the stunner for some reason but they said that you could take another legendary finishing move and make it your own which would you choose well uh i'd probably have to uh deal with uh wrath from natalia uh if i were to do that but i think the sharpshooter would be it however i must say natalia does the owen hart sharpshooter on the right side I would go classic Hitman sharpshooter on the left. So maybe we could find a, uh, you know, uh, uh, a way to agree to, you know, both use it now. Uh, but yeah, I think the sharpshooter would be it. I, you know, I used to use it a lot on the independent scene. Uh, and, uh, you know, out of respect for Natalia, obviously. And, and, you know, at the time, Tyson Kidd as well. I, I, I'm not going to use it in WWE, right? But uh, yeah, that, that, that'd be my choice. And lastly, what's the most memorable time that you hit the pop-up powerbomb on someone? Man, I think it's hard to uh, deny that the first night on Raw when I, I laid John Cena out with it, uh, you know, it's, it's as, about as impactful as it gets as far as debuts go. So that will probably be it. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you giving me this time very much. Like you said, like I said, I'm a huge fan of yours. I've been following your career for so long. And so 
was very glad to finally get you on the show. Um, thank you again for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good day. Take care. All right. That was Kevin Owens. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Now, before we get out of here, I got some housekeeping to do. So don't get too bored. Don't turn this off yet. Make sure you subscribe to Out of Character on whatever podcast platform that you are currently listening on. If you're listening on Apple, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Google, don't be a jerk. I know you enjoyed this. So go subscribe to the show on Out of Character. I think that's how you do it. You berate the listener to get them to subscribe to you. Uh, And if you're there and you actually did enjoy the episode, please leave a review and a rating as well. It helps out a lot. Also, make sure you follow us on social media. It's at WWE on Fox on Twitter. Instagram and Facebook. Actually, I saw we're on TikTok now too, even though we don't have any videos there, but we've got a verified profile. So go follow that one as well. And make sure that you go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find clips from Raw, from SmackDown, and this show. And you can find the full version of this show premiering every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. So go make sure that you are subscribed to that channel because you don't want to miss this. I got a pretty face. We've got chemistry going on between me and the guests. So make sure that you go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Okay, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character.